Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. of the world is under 30 years old. This generation is the video generation. They are experts at choosing content and making content. Your all-hands meetings, your content, and your communication to your team must be interesting, compelling, and relevant, or they will just switch the channel and find a company that is. On this episode, we interview Sam Colbert-Heil, the CEO at BrandLive, who's on a mission to help companies change how they communicate in ways that are more human, more engaging, and well, more like television so their companies can team anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast and on the East Coast, our amazing co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. Ginny, how are you doing today? I am good and excited. All right. I'm excited too because today on the show... We have Sam Colbert Heil, President and CEO of Brand Live. Sam, how are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. All right. Well, we're excited to have you on the show. I want to just read something that is on your LinkedIn page that kind of you know made me really excited to have you on the show. And so this is what it says. With the shift to hybrid work, employees are demanding flexibility more than ever before to work when it works for them, wherever they are on their terms. This shift is forcing leaders and companies to change how they communicate in ways that are more human, more engaging, and well, more like television. Television? Sam, can you tell us more about that? I would be happy to. You know, I I watched the Game of Thrones last night and, you know, we're two episodes in. It's pretty good, actually. I'm very impressed so far. But I'm sitting there watching Sunday night television. Remember back in the day, it was must-see TV, and then that was Thursday, and then HBO kind of turned it into Sunday television. It was kind of the thing. I'm sitting there watching TV, scrolling through my phone on Instagram with reels front and center. I'm getting TikTok shared with me left, right, and center. So Brand Live and how we're thinking about the world is like, hey, we're consuming all this video outside of work. We're watching more television than ever before. We're subscribed to more streaming platforms than ever before. Both Instagram and TikTok are literally being consumed by the video components of those platforms rather than the images. And so then I come to work on Monday morning and I'm, you know, debating between my colleague about should I take this meeting in this conference room? Is your audio on? Is my audio on? This happened to me this morning, by the way, on a conference call. And the world of work is really boring and looks nothing like what I watched last night on television. And so we're like, okay, this, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that the world of work should be 10 years behind what we're watching outside of work, especially when we're being convinced that work and home are blurred. You're coming into the office less than you ever have. It's this hybrid work world. And the world of work just doesn't look anything like the world outside of work. So that's the thesis of Brandline. That's what we're trying to do. And the big idea is that Television is the best 
thing to model after because it happens to be 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or 60 minutes in length. TikTok, Instagram, largely two minutes. Radio program or nightly news, the segments generally are three to four minutes. Masterclass, eight minutes. But television, 30, 45, 60, depending on if you exclude the commercial breaks. So it's the perfect model for us to try to reinvent how companies communicate using video because it happens to be the perfect length of most webinars, internal meetings, or your big moments. So that's what we set out to do at Brand Live. And we're just getting started. So it's, you know, trying to figure it out, but it's the perfect thing to replicate. I'm buying into that. In fact, that's one of the reasons we met, why I want to have you on the show is what then does this demand of business owners, leaders, and communicators, you know, buying into the argument that people watch TV, which they do, and that we must be more like TV. You know, what is this demanding of those of us who speak to small or large crowds at work? So if you go back to the story of Brand Live is crazy and we had a huge boost tailwind, if you will, because of COVID. But when we look back last summer, we started to realize that the best meetings, the best moments, the best events that were happening on our product, our platform, had nothing really to do with the software. It wasn't so much the chat on the side or the Q&A or the live polling. It certainly wasn't the way the page was set up or the design of the page, but rather did the planner, the event marketer, invest in making the content any good? Yes. Did it tell a story? Did it move people? Did it elicit some sort of emotion? The human body has a funny way of understanding this often before the brain, right? So the analogy, of course, is like, did the hair on your arm stand up or did the butterflies stir in your stomach? I know from the Malcolm Gladwell books, I think Blink was the book that, you know, sometimes the body, when you're in trauma mode and you go to the bathroom, like that is the same thing. Your palms sweating, for example. The body has a funny way of showing how it feels. And the best events were the ones that elicited that sort of emotion from your body, right? It made you feel something and you can feel your heart in your chest beating faster. And it's all the power of story. And we went through the list of the best moments on Brand Live, and we actually started to see that it had nothing to do with the stuff around the video player and everything to do with whether the in-video content was any good. And so we kind of were like, okay, that's humbling as an entrepreneur to think that your stuff's maybe not as good as you think it is. And it refocused us or reshifted us to go figure out how to make great content because that was the thesis around the best events. And we took a pause. We kind of were like, okay, how do we go do this? And I'm from Philadelphia. I'm kind of a Philadelphia guy. I lived in LA briefly, and so I've always been enamored by show business. But I talked about the length of a piece of content being the best thing to study. For us, that was true. And I watched a masterclass by Aaron Sorkin, who's like one of my all-time favorites. American President is the movie that I wooed my wife over. So Aaron's is a big part of my life trajectory. So Aaron Sorkin has this kind of set of anecdotes that he describes when he's thinking about the different mediums of writing. And the way he describes it, I've kind of parroted back, which I thought was just really fascinating was that when you are thinking about what you're writing, you have to think about the commitment that a viewer, the audience has to watch it. And the example he gives is think about a Broadway play. You think about the commitment someone has to make to go to that show, whether it's a matinee on Saturday or Sunday, or whether it is a dinner out. 
you have bought a ticket. It's 200 bucks. You're likely buying two because you're going with someone, friend or partner. You're going down to somewhere down on Broadway at Times Square or in and around Midtown Manhattan. You're going out to dinner. You've got a babysitter. You've committed, right? You are committed to at least pay attention for a little bit. You then get to the theater. You have to wait in line and get through the maze of people. Maybe you stop and get a drink, maybe a little glass of wine in that little, little tiny cup, you know? Yep, yep. <laughs> then you go down to your seat and you got to squeeze in because the no. seats are really together. You're committed. You better have gone to the bathroom because it is hard to go to the bathroom when you're out of play. And it's not 30 minutes. It's not 45 minutes, not 60 minutes. It's generally two hours with intermission. You cannot crumble your candy bar wrap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it is spread across two acts generally, right? There's first half and then there's intermission and there's second half. And so there's a story arc that is created because of that, where often the resolution doesn't come to the end, like most good stories. And they're introducing componentry to make the story work cyclically from front to back, a beginning, a middle, and an end. But you're committed as a fan of Broadway. It has to be really bad to get up and leave, like really bad. People just don't leave Broadway plays, right? Unless it's like the worst thing you've ever seen. That's the two and a half hour Broadway commitment. A movie is not terribly different, right? If you're a parent, you are often going to the movies with your partner or spouse or friends and you're getting a babysitter. You're committing to that evening. You're often going to dinner beforehand, just like the Broadway example. You're committed to the action and you go and get your ticket. Maybe you bought it online in advance. You go to the front and then you got, you know, $20 worth of popcorn and soda. I'm a big milk dud fan. I don't know. Junior mints, I guess I'd put higher than that. But, you know, you're committed to your $8 worth of candy and your large popcorn soda combo for $12.99. That's after dinner. That's right. The movie has to be terrible for you to get up and leave. I don't think I've ever left a movie. Have you? Yes, oh, I yeah. have. Oh, yeah. What was it? Oh, I can't even remember the name of it. When I was younger, I think it was Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which actually is a pretty good movie. It I is just, a good movie. I don't think I was just too young. I just wasn't ready for that. But you're pretty committed. Like, it has to be really bad for you to get up and leave. The contrast with television is very pronounced. Television, all you have to do to leave the TV show is what? change the channel. Yeah. Yep. You don't even have to turn it off. So as we think about virtual events and we think about virtual experience that are video and content forward, you have to make it really good because the alternative for work is not even turning it off. You can ghost you know, there's this whole quiet quitting thing going on right now. Oh, yeah. You can ghost these events. All you have to do is tab away. You leave it open, you tab away. How many times have you been to a Zoom meeting where you close it, you're the last person there and a bunch of other people are still there, but their cameras are off? It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah, they weren't there, actually. Turn the camera off. <laughs> but that's how I feel about making content that's really good and engaging and out there and interesting. Like, it has to really grab you because the alternative, the switch away factor, the tab away factor, the close the laptop lid factor requires that you as a content creator make it good. No one at work's doing that. Like no one's actually investing intentionally into making great content. They're just lighting it up and hitting go. But why? Yeah, exactly. But why? I know some reasons why. What have you found? Yeah. The reason (laughs) why is if you've and the reason why we think at Brandlive we're going to be so successful is because we have an advantage. We are doing this ourselves. And what mm-hmm. we found is that the hard part is not the audience side. The hard part is actually investing into good storytelling and content creation. And so what we did once we figured out that the world of virtual events post-pandemic may not sustain is we went and tried to figure out use cases and examples where marketers could use videos 
in novel ways to engage their people, whether it's their yeah. current customers or future customers. And what we did is we went and studied how not just television is made, but high frequency television, what I describe as daily TV as the perfect example, why they're making TV every day. Mm-hmm. And something interesting happened when we started doing this, right? It's not just TV. Podcasts are largely recorded, much like this one. Radio, a lot of radio is recorded. It's not all done live. All the bits that you hear on local radio, the like War of the Roses, where they like test to see whether it's always the guy really is committed and they send the roses out. Like every local city has that bit. It's all pre-recorded. They wouldn't right. risk it live. High frequency television, when we started to get into the studying of this, it's almost all pre-recorded. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, completely pre-recorded. You know, if you've ever watched an NBA game and sometimes Jimmy Fallon comes on afterwards, they don't even bother like faking it. Jimmy Kimmel comes on afterwards. They don't talk anything about what happened during the game. It's clear that it's not live. The bits are often outside. They're usually basketball related. And it's like broad daylight. Like, they're not even trying to fake it. You know, the game's over. It's 9 p.m. at night, but you're watching right. Jimmy Kimmel, you know, shoot hoops outside in the daylight. So I think that we started to realize, you know, Hollywood is largely investing into storytelling arcs, a beginning, middle, and an end, good energy and music. And they don't care if it's pre-recorded. Ellen, Oprah, all pre-recorded. All the game shows, Jeopardy's pre-recorded. No one cares. No one's like, oh my God, I'm outraged. All this stuff's not live. I'm outraged. No one cares. As long as the content's good. But you look at Zoom, it's all live. And it's largely slides and little heads or two people on the screen. It's not complicated layouts, but the technology and the investments that marketers are making does feel arguably a decade behind. And so this studying of Hollywood and trying to figure out how to do this was aided, of course, by us having our own events, by us being able to kind of see across all of our customers the types of engagement that works when people join, for example, most people don't join an event on the Brand Live platform until the third minute. Mm. And so we rarely start the content before minute three. That often means, because it's exactly the length of a song, that we're playing music or some sort of intro video that is on theme or on message. And because it's the length of a song, it happens to be three minutes. It's the perfect let them trickle in kind of thing. TV starts on time for a variety of reasons. I think it's because it's a very short amount of time and there's commercial breaks and stuff. So people are kind of trained to watch it live. And of course, now a lot of it's pre-recorded. Sorry, a lot of it's on demand. So you can kind of watch when it works for you. So a lot of that need to start on time is irrelevant if people are watching. So let me ask you, Sam, first of all, I totally appreciate, again, my career before this was in Hollywood as well. So I really appreciate that. Are you then saying that what Brand Live is about is delivering pre-produced content or is it pre-produced plus live content? So to complete the arc, we studied everything that happens in Hollywood and we realized not just are they investing mostly into pre-recording the shows, but it's a segment-based approach because people's attention spans are three to five minutes, three to eight minutes. It used to be because of commercial breaks, right? Mm-hmm. Commercial break length was generally seven to eight minutes. Mm-hmm. NPR as an example for radio, it's generally three to four minutes. So I think the the length of a segment is debatable, but largely what we found is that any great high-frequency content creator is creating a segment-based approach. And the desire for people at work is 
during the pandemic was largely about doing it live. And what we at Brand Live are saying is we figured out that the best content drives your meetings and events. Therefore, you should invest in a segment-based approach that uses music that has a beginning, middle, and an end. And don't be afraid to record as much as you can. That doesn't mean the intro and the outro can't be done live. Our software allows you to do that. Doesn't mean the Q&A section, the Ask Me Anything has to be pre-recorded. That can all be live and authentic. But the best meetings and the best events are the ones with the most investment into making it good. And it just so happens that our software allows you to do that. And it took us a while to build the features, quite frankly. Give me an example. Give our audience an example. So here's what one of your products would do. Yeah. So we have a bunch of different use cases, everything from a webinar to an all-hands meeting. And I'll just use the all-hands meeting because it's easy to understand. Everybody who's worked at a company has been doing all-hands Right, right. So our all-hands meetings are following the same formula we're preaching. They're generally an hour, and the software allows you to plan out the run of show for that hour. There's a kind of a basic place that we start, and it is a little counterintuitive, but I've figured this out over time. We start with what we want to say. As a CEO, you don't start with a theme. You don't try to like pick the edge on the calendar. That's great if it works, but you start with what you want to say. So I have one coming up. I think it's going to be the 9th. It could be the 15th of September. And it is going to be focused on back to basics, back to school. So the theme is very calendar focused because I figured out what I was going to say. And then it matched the calendar. But you start with what you want to say as a CEO. From there, then it goes into the creative process. So our software has workflow tools to allow you to do what we do and what our best clients do, create great 30 to 45 minute meetings. So the first place is figure out who's going to be on it, right? Figure out the different segments. Each segment is generally three to five minutes, maybe five to eight minutes if it's longer. Most companies have the following segments. There's generally an intro by the CEO or whoever is the MC, so to speak. Sometimes that's an internal comm, sometimes it's a marketer, often it's a CEO. I do that live. It's generally three to five minutes, and it's generally narrative-based. I grew up in the 90s. My cousin's Lisa Frank. I think we're going to have a little bit of a trapper keeper, edgy 90s back-to-school kind of thing. So that's going to be weaved into my opening narrative. There then is going to be likely, we call it the spotlight segment. It's five to eight minutes. It's generally the first segment up, and it's a rotating executive who's allowed to update the company on what they're working on or the really thematic elements of what's happening in the world. I'm doing the spotlight this time. So I'm going to pre-record that five to eight minute segment called the spotlight. After the spotlight, we're going to transition to something about new hires. We often do game shows there. So we've done truth or dare. We've done, Mm -hmm. would you rather we've done prices, right? People like interactivity. They like to participate. It's gotta be funny. You gotta laugh. Yeah. So it's yeah. a little bit of a, a roast of the new employees. I know it feels a little bit like hazing, but it, it makes for great content. It makes for great entertainment. And so we've been experimenting with lots of different versions of this. And I haven't figured out exactly what this is going to be, but that's another five to eight minutes. And then after that, there may be some sort of like elongated ask me anything Q&A. Sometimes we get questions. This will all be live. Sometimes we get 20 questions. So it really just depends on people's moods, honestly. And how often we're communicating with them. If we're communicating more often, they have less questions. If we're, you know, this is August and it's a slow month that we don't have one. So I think we might get more questions. 
and then I'll do an outro. And the software allows you to plan that whole process. So there's a creative board that feels like Pinterest. There might be a picture of Saved by the Bell with a big phone and, you know, a bunch of 90s colors, maybe a little Will Smith and the kind of Miami Vice kind of look to it. And it's just the starting place. Then we start to kind of work through the graphics pack. Does the intro graphic match that kind of vibe? Do we have to pick a song that feels like the 90s or back and to is school? that all in the app? Yeah. Does that lead you through that process? The creative process you can do in the platform. It's right. up to you to bring your own creative energy. You may have other things. Yeah, yeah. So it's the container that leads you through this process that you come up with, hopefully, this very dynamic show. It's a show. You're putting on a show. And think about it this way. Every show has generally a team, producers, the talent. Exactly. Happen to be producing and on the show. But team management, if you're doing recordings, you're scheduling the recording, you're sending out links, people are joining the recording, you're actually recording the audio files, or in this case, it's video. So there's a whole set of utility around recording. Many of our large clients are thinking about the, some of the segments as pre-recorded, and so you're doing them on a green screen. You're actually doing the slides, so you're not just coming up with slides and reading them. Yes. You're writing out a script. You're trying yes. to be more prose-oriented. And then we're helping them or their own internal teams doing the editing ex post facto. So there's a component to that. And then on the outcome side, of course, we're having the technology to get the talent in the room on the day of, broadcasting it through our green room technology. It is not replacing a Zoom meeting. It is not replacing a Microsoft Teams meeting. It is trying to make better webinars, better internal meetings where there's a large audience. Fabulous. And borrowing from the things that work for large Hollywood audiences and bringing them to work. And so there are certainly breakout sessions and ways to get more intimate gatherings on the platform, especially for our event use cases. That would be yes. a two-day summit. But largely what we've found our clients lean into is more pre-recorded content, more mix of live and pre-recorded content for the broadcast sessions, a lot of uploaded videos for on-demand sessions, and trying to play to the audience where they are. So yes. virtual audience, we're treating differently than the in-person audience, I think is a good you know way to get back to the original question. Hybrid work is really hard. And yeah. people are struggling with how to work, when to work, and on whose terms to work. And what we found is that these 250 plus person organizations have realized that not everyone's going to be in the same room. Even if it's in an auditorium, you're not going to have more than 50%. And so especially internal audiences, it's 90-10, the split, 99-1% in terms of the number of people in the room versus the number of people watching. And what investing into high quality content does is it shifts the opportunity for the audience to watch it when it works for them. And we've seen our clients, especially these internal meetings, gone from like 40 to 50% attendance, which is the standard, like average, to like 95, 96%. They're not watching it all live. They're giving their employees a week to consume it when it works for them. And no one wants to rewatch that web conference. And so it just makes the content creation process and problem so much more pronounced because you have to make it really good if you want them to watch. 
I love that idea because for the last two years, people have talked about synchronous versus asynchronous. And you've taken a synchronous event and said, well, actually, we have a reality here, which is called the global expansion of a team. And there's no such thing as everyone all coming together with a 24-hour difference. And I also appreciate how this is for big companies. This is for 250 plus employees listening to this. I go back to my days when I was going to film school at UCLA and taking post and pre-production and just seeing that this is a perfect tool for doing pre and post production for a business event. The other thing I just wanted to share, actually, I wanted you to share was if you could just give us a little bit, because I think it's so inspirational. Brand Live was a live company. What happened was you guys had to pivot like crazy, correct? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's literally Brand Live. I bought the company at the end of 2019, 2020. And part of the reason why I bought the company, back to your synchronous versus asynchronous debate, is I uh, started to realize that the way our customers were using the product was very different than how the company was going to market. The company was started really as a QVC for your brand, which is why it's called Brand Live. The idea was your brand can be live on your own website using video to showcase your new product launch or to do a product training. But it was largely B2C was the original concept. QVC is a great example. And then this thing called Facebook Live came around and Instagram Live and YouTube Live. And so this idea that a company would use their own website for that rather than broadcasting to their channels that had audience built in. Yep. But, but the company wasn't changing how they sold it. They weren't changing their messaging, their website, mm-hmm. market, et cetera. And so I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting, but I'm largely struggling to understand how it fits in. And I asked for access to the admin panel. I started to log into the product. The board had asked me to help find the next CEO, as an example. And I started to see that a lot of the usage of the BrandLive platform had nothing to do with B2C, but rather large companies, Nike, Adidas, and others, using the product for internal trainings and large all-hands meetings. And my last company, which is called Smart, been wildly successful. We used to plan and I used to do a lot of the all-hands meeting content. That was kind of part of my job. And you know, I'm extroverted. I'm happy to talk whenever I'm asked to talk. And so I knew that the challenge with all hands meetings and the frequency of all hands meetings is they're a pain in the ass to plan. They really suck to plan. And so I was super aware that companies needed new ways to communicate with their employees. And I was super aware that employees don't attend the meeting like they're supposed to. Scheduling on a calendar with a link, even in that era, yielded pretty low attendance. And so I bought the company to pivot the business away from this QVC for your brand into this all hands idea, just because I was aware of it. And I thought that that problem needed to be solved. Totally. <laughs> we bought allhands.com and pre-pandemic, we're going to run the business for six to 12 months, build the new all hands product, and then change the branding and company to all hands. Okay. Then the pandemic happened. <laughs> Actually, it took a while. The original brand live business required you to go on site to film. It was a technology problem. That's just where the executives were. Right. Like that's where the CEO was. That's where the head of sales was. So you were on site to film. So it was it was basically, you know, recording technology. The recording parts of content creation for live streaming was what we did. Like we knew that. And those meetings were getting canceled. The first couple of months 
all of the revenue I was expecting from this brand life business that I bought was being canceled. They were like, we're not going to be here. Mia's not going to be here. It took a while. So it took at least two months for people to just come to terms with the pandemic was here to stay. By May, it became very clear we're not going back anytime soon. And we happened to have a large event, which is a Nike event. I think it was a Nike event. There was a Nike event and a GoPro event. And it required eight people because now people are like, okay, we're going to do this virtually. And we had to get a conference room. We still weren't going into an office. And we had eight computers with a Zoom pinned to every computer run through a software encoder on a ninth computer. And all of those computers were sitting around a table and that one person was calling the show via Wirecast and OBS, which is basically like encoder software. And we're like, this is ridiculous. Nine computers to run a 30-minute program. So we pivoted the business and started building software that reduced nine computers down to one, did it in the cloud, and allowed you to overlay graphics and intro videos. It wasn't until a year later that we realized the best content is largely pre-recorded. We were still live, 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 live for at least a year, okay. year and a half of this thing. Okay. But the origin of Brand Live and the origin of this new part of our business was very much from the perspective of the production is really hard. And by the time we got to the end of the summer, our eight people is now 50 people. We thought we'd do a million dollars in revenue and we're doing a million dollars a month. We have a lot of success with multi-level marketing companies and other distributed workforces where Mm -hmm. language, different regions and time zones impact people. And we got a call from the Biden campaign to help figure out why their live streaming wasn't working. Yes, yes. An incredible journey would be very exciting for entrepreneurs to listen to. And the learning at each step, whoop, we got to turn here. Whoop, we've got to turn there. The bit about this has to be entertaining, right? And we go back to TV. Mitch, you and I had someone on who talked about it, it has to be like Disney. All right, Sam talks about it has to be like on TV and it needs to be an event. Interesting. If I was thinking about that, Sam, when we first started talking was, yeah, in the very beginning, we had a gentleman who was talking about how work needs to be like Disneyland. This is at the very beginning of the pandemic for people to come, quote unquote, back to work. But I think what Sam discovered is people are not coming back to work. That's right. With the great resignation, which was, we weren't talking about that back then. I think what Sam is pointing out is in order for people to actually stay employed to you, you must produce entertaining content. And that's, I think the gist of it. So I would love to speak forever because as you're pointing out, Jenny, this is a great story just from an entrepreneurial pivot Mm -hmm. as well as a very interesting and exciting product, as well as, um, you know, your whole story, Sam, about how you, you bumped into this and said, oh, wait a minute, I see something here. It's not what everyone else thinks, but it's something completely different. Very entrepreneurial. This is my last question that I want to ask. Are there three things that you would say, hey, CEOs, team leaders, things that you are missing that you must address in order to keep your employees engaged in your company? And if you don't attend to this, then you're going to be a dinosaur. I don't disagree with your Disney point, by the way. I think one of the things that as CEO I'm thinking about is 
making sure my employees are engaged, they're happy. I don't necessarily care if, if they're coming into the office as long as they're productive and being creative. I just happen to work in a creative industry and our software is creative. And so we just think people who are together will create better outcomes and more creative output. So we want people to be in the office because of our industry. People need the office to be a destination. So the reason why Disneyland works as an example is because you want to go to it. It's very kid focused. I think, you know, if I look at my company, half yes. the workforce is under 30. I think my average age is 28. Each company will have its own demographics. The answer to your question is you have to figure out who your people are. Yeah. And I was shocked to hear, to see that it was 28 was the average age. I thought it was much older. Yeah. I then figured out that half the world is under 30. I know it's a crazy stat. And largely developing countries are much younger too. So it's going to be an interesting 10 years as the world of work gets younger. Mm-hmm. And the thing I would suggest to a CEO, and again, these are over long periods of time, but the reason why it has to be interesting and entertaining is because the way young people consume is so different. There's been a revolution on how we consume. TikTok is all video. So video content is a huge part of ages 18 through 35, the TikTok mm-hmm. audience. And there's a generation of younger Americans, or just worldwide, honestly, who are becoming content creators. They have YouTube channels. They're creating content on Instagram. Very good point. Yes. They're going to be leading companies over the next Yes. And so for me, it's not an if, but a when thing. As the CEO, you have to experiment with ways to communicate that are more current, more novel, more interesting, more compelling for the half your workforce who's younger. And I'm not as focused, especially when I talk to CEOs, on the people currently watching the all-hands meeting or the webinar. It's not about the people watching. It's about the people who aren't. And it's about the people who you could attract or market to or engage with if you make it really good so they can watch it when it works for them. Asynchronous content consumption, synchronous content consumption don't have to compete with each other. You can create something super good so that anyone can watch it when it works for them. And I think that's the great lesson around the future of work and the great thing we're struggling to figure out over the last two years as people resist coming to the office is you have to make the office a destination. You have to make it so fun and interesting and event-driven, right? You come in for free lunch, you come in for the coffee bar, you come in for the happy hour. That's how people want to think of the office now. And so if the goal is to make the office worth coming in for, then the goal is to make some of the content you're consuming at work worth watching. And I think that's our point of view. And any CEO should understand that. Any CEO, especially if they have kids, should understand that. And I think it felt so unattainable. But just in a year, we've made so much progress to make it much more accessible and much more attainable for a CEO willing to take the risk to try. Or a CMO or a head of marketing. It doesn't have to be just the person at the top. It could be anyone who wants to use video to reach people, whether it's your customers, your prospects, the customers you used to have, whoever it might be. And we just think it's so much easier to do than it feels like it is. And we just want to help and be part of that journey. Great. Thanks. So how can we find out more about you and BrandLive? Our website's brandlive.com. Easy. And I live in Portland, Oregon. You can find me in my neighborhood with my wife, Sarah, and my two kids. Sam, this has been delightful. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, thank you, Ginny. 
Yeah. And thank you to our listeners for coming for some incredible content, some incredible ideas and thinking. If you've loved this episode, which we have, please share this with your friends, your family, and your colleagues. And until next time, we'll see you again on Team Anywhere. Anywhere.